Today and next week, we're going to talk about um, the three key basic principles that we need to know and be reminded of as a church. Uh, but before I uh, get into that, I want to talk about a couple of other things. We just finished up a sermon series on our personal faith and how we express that in our, our public lives. And there have been lots of, I've, I've gotten lots of feedback on that, which is, has been awesome. That means uh, you're listening and thinking and, and we're moving forward one way or another. But one of the questions that I got was that people felt, some, a couple people said to me, Tom, I feel like you're calling us to compromise our Christian fundamental beliefs. Like, like you want us to be in the middle, you know, and follow that via media, that path. But, but you know, if, aren't I supposed to be vocal and say what I believe? And, and here's what I want you to understand. In no way am I asking anyone to compromise their fundamental Christian beliefs. And here's how I want you to understand that. Um, the person sitting next to you right now reads the same Bible. They come to the same church. They hear the same uh, stories, go to the same Bible studies, do the, a lot of the same things you do. They, they accept that what, what we are called to in the church is mishpat and tzedakah and hesed, you know, righteousness, justice, loving kindness. We agree on all those things. But that very same person sitting next to you here in church today, when it comes to the issues that we have problems with, that we go like this on, you know, when it comes to immigration and human sexuality and abortion and gun control, they might be in a totally different place than you are. And that's okay. That's okay. So what we're trying, what I'm trying to help you think of is on these issues, it's perfectly fine for us all to, and, and it's right for us all to have these fundamental, these essential Christian beliefs, but we might not address the issues the same way. So what I was calling everyone to do in that sermon series was find that difficult place in the middle where you're willing to listen and have good conversation and admit to the fact that, you know something, there's some truth over here and there's some truth over here, and I've got to make myself available to that. I've got to hear that. I've got to listen, and then I get to make my point, and we get to talk and have that conversation. And I want you to know that is a very, very difficult place to lead from in the middle. Because as I said, when you take that place in the middle, you get hit from both sides. And it's hard. Now what most of the world does is they retreat to their corner where everybody thinks like they do. And that's not what we're called to be, especially in the Methodist Church. We're called to continue to do that tough work in the middle and be those people who do that. In no way would I ever ask you uh, to compromise uh, those beliefs. And here's, here's the warning. If you're going to take that, uh, that posture in the middle that I'm asking you to, if you're going to do that, you're going to run into people every day who are going to want to change your mind and prove that you have to think the way they do and you have to be out here or out here. And they're not going to listen to what you're going to say because they don't want to have a conversation because they're still in their corner. And while you're talking about your beliefs, they're going to be thinking about what they're going to say next to try and change your mind. Stay in the middle. Hold to your beliefs and be that person who's willing to make a conversation because from there is where we change the world. That's what really the message. If there's any message I could, I could just cap it off with, that, that would be it from that last sermon series that, that we just did. And, I, you know, I'm doing this for a reason. Number one, our world is so polarized, we need to start thinking the way we need to think as faithful Christians in order to maneuver our way through this, in order to guide and stay on that path. And that's very important. But also, our general conference is coming up in May for the United Methodist denomination. And there's a half a dozen plans out there, and all of them are about splitting our church. There will never be a more crucial time for our generation 
than now to find that via media that John, so, John Wesley so thoroughly preached and find that space where we can exist. Because no doubt about it, if our church splits, we are lesser split apart than we are together. And that's just, that's just the fact. So what we're doing now is uh, we finished that. I want you to carry with that in your hearts. If you missed any of those sermons, they are on the, the website. Go back and listen to those. We're, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk for just two weeks on the key principles that are so important to vital Christianity. We're just going to do that this week and next week, and then we're into Lent. During Lent, we're going to break down Holy Week. So each Sunday in Lent, we're going to take a day of Holy Week, and we're going to walk through it. You know, so, so on our first Sunday in Lent, we're going to talk about the last Sunday in Lent, Palm Sunday, and we're going to work our way uh, through that whole week, and we're going to talk about what those things mean to us right up to Easter. Then after Easter, we're going to go back into what's going to happen in May at our general conference. We're going to talk about those things. We're going to take some surveys here in our, in our church. Uh, we may have some outside meetings that go with that. The very first Sunday in May is Teen Commitment Sunday. You know, that's that Sunday where we get our cards and we hand our cards and we say, here are the teens that I want to work on for the next year. We're going to do that the first Sunday in May. And then we're going to be into general conference and annual conference and all the things that go with that. So there's purpose to what we're talking about now and there's purpose to the, the way we're thinking because um, more than anything, I want this church to be a model, to be an example of how faithful Christians can come together and be those who may have widely different viewpoints but also be together as this church that, that God calls us to be. All right, so that's what we're going to... Uh, that's the future. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about these three key points uh, that are so vital to the Christianity that, that we've been called to. And I'm going to give you these points right off the bat. Oh, there's a set of sermon notes in your bulletin that have these things written down in there. If you want to take notes in there, I'm praying God speaks to us today. So if you want to write those things down, that way they'll, they'll go with you when you leave here today. <clears throat> All right, three key points. If we're to be vital Christians, if this church is to be relevant in this world, we have to do three things. And, and this is a refresher. Uh, I talked about this when I first got here, five, almost five years ago. We talked about this. But, but knowing the season that we're going into, we need to hear some of these things again. Number one, we need to be clear about our mission. We need to be very clear about our mission. Number two, we have to be focused on people. If we're going to be vital at all, we have to focus on people. And number three, we have to be willing to do what is difficult. You know that narrow path, that one that's so uh, untraveled? We have to be willing to do what is difficult. All right, and here's the thing. If we're willing to take these three ideas, if we're willing to take them home with us, if we're willing to allow them to settle in, they will change all parts of our lives, just not our church life, just not our life as Christians, but they will change everything that we do and how we approach uh, how we're living and, and what we're doing. Being clear about your mission, focused on people, and willing to do the difficult tasks. Okay, first, being clear about our mission. This is so important as we relate to what the church is all about, and it's so important to you in, in your life as well, because when you think about your mission and why you need to be clear on your mission is you're asking a question. And the question that you're asking is, why are we here? What is our purpose? Now, what we started uh, uh, several years ago when we got into team ministry, we started mapping out our teams. We, we do a map. That's a ministry action plan. And the very first question on that eight-question survey for every team is, why are we here? 
what is our purpose? And I've actually been in some ministry team meetings with you where we've sat there and uh, people have realized, uh, you know something, this team isn't what I thought it was. And I'm like, well, if you don't fit the purpose, you don't believe, you, you would actually be better on this team over here because that's what they're doing. Any meeting you have, in your business meetings, in your family meetings, why are we here is a very good question to ask. What is our purpose? What should we be doing? All right, so if you're not clear about that, well, the thing is, you might be doing a whole bunch of stuff that you thought would be get, reaching your mission or accomplishing your purchase when, purpose when, in fact, you don't even know. And that, if you're a choir or a Sunday school or a youth group, if, if you're out in the corporate world, that is a great question to ask. You always have to ask that question, you know? And if you're going to make a mission statement, what we talked about in the mission statement is mission statements, the really good ones, are pretty short. You know, a mission statement should be something that a 10-year-old or somebody older can remember and repeat. You know, and the shorter it is, the easier it is to remember it. And that mission statement has to be simple. People have to hear it and know what you're about. But at the same time, it has to be deep so it can be unpacked in huge ways. That's what a mission is about. That's, that's what we do. And, and to be honest with you, you know, if you don't know what that is, you won't be doing the stuff that supports your mission. In your marriage, what is the mission of your marriage? If you're not sure about that, you might be doing a whole bunch of stuff that's not going to accomplish what you really want to accomplish in your marriage. As a parent, what is your mission as a parent? And if you're not clear what that mission is, you need to think about it. You need to come up with your mission statement, whatever that vision is, so you can move towards that. Or you may be doing a whole bunch of stuff that might not be leading you towards success in your mission. I know you guys know all this stuff, but we need to hear this. We need to talk about this every so often so we can be really clear about what we're doing. That's why we have to, have to be clear. And here's our thing. As Christians, the very beginning of our, our mission starts off with G Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? What did he do while he was here? Because here's what we do. We say, I'm a Christian now, and we say, I'm a Christian, and Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. That's saying he's the king, he's the master, he's the ruler, he's sovereign. So whatever he says, I need to be doing because I am a citizen of his kingdom now. I'm here, but I, I do what he does. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is this uh, mission all about that he's talking about? Hey, and you know, for Jesus, if you want to think about it in business terms, Jesus is our CEO, and he's casting a vision for the company. And we have to be working towards that vision all the time, or we're wasting our time, all right? So here's what I did. I pulled out some Fortune 500 mission statements from corporations in the United States. I'm going to read them and see if you can figure out who these companies are. Okay, are you ready? First one. Mission statement, to provide authentic hospitality by making a difference in the lives of the people we touch every day. To provide authentic hospitality by making a difference in the lives of people we touch every day. Hyatt. <laughs> Hyatt Hotels is all about making a difference in the lives of people every day. All right, here's another. Maybe you'll get this one. The next one, to improve every life through innovative giving in education, community, and environment. To improve every life through innovative giving in education, community, and environment. 3M. 3M is all about improving lives. All right, now this one, in the first service downstairs, they got this one. Let's see if you can get this one. To give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. To give people the power to share to make the world more open and connected. Go ahead and say it. Facebook. Facebook. 
Hey, you got that. Yeah, that, they're, 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 they're really there. Empowering people and helping them share and connect with one another. That's pretty good, right? That's good. See, when you read these really detailed uh, mission statements, you can tell that this is what they're about. They're short, they're concise. This is what they're uh, about. The employees know them. You guys, many of you work in corporations, you know your corporate mission statement. The CEO has cast a vision. And the thing is, you know that when they're in the boardroom and they're making decisions, they're, they're bumping that up against their mission statement. And they're saying, is what we're doing now going to further that mission? Is it going to help us accomplish what we want to accomplish? Will it help us fulfill the, the company's mission? I'm going to give you one more. All right. To refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. To refresh the world, to inspire moments of optimism and happiness, to create value and make a difference. Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's a pop company. They make soft drinks. And their mission is to, to inspire people to refresh the world and make a difference. Folks, we're a church. <laughs> and we're not sure about our mission half the time. This is how important it is. We're the church. The scriptures tell us that we're the body of Christ. You know, when, when, when Jesus left, he said, you're the body of Christ. You know, you are... We're the arms and the feet, we're the legs, we're the eyes of Jesus while he's not here. So when something's broken in the world, you've heard me say this before, when someplace needs healing, God doesn't send a bunch of angels, he sends the church. Because he's a, got a body that can handle it. That's what we're supposed to be doing in our mission. Alright? That's who we are. Jesus came and he spent his whole life healing the sick and reaching out to the lost and, and bringing the the uh, strays back. That's what we're supposed to be doing while he's gone. That's, what, that's who we are. That's what we find here. That's why we need to be clear about our mission. Because if we're not accomplishing what he was accomplishing when we're here, we're off doing something else that we shouldn't be doing. So we need to bump our, our, our thoughts, our processes, everything up against that mission. And think about it. And you know, we don't come to church to get something. Well, we do come to church to get something out of it. I'm, I'm wrong there. We come and we learn and we're connected and we do all these things. But once you're here and you say, I'm a disciple of Christ, I'm a follower, I'm going to do these things, you're called to go out there and do something totally different than you were doing before you were a Christian, before you were a faithful believer. And that is you need to be changing the world in the way that Jesus changed the world. That's what we're called to. That's what it means to be the church. You know, what is it that Jesus asked his disciples to do? And the truth is, you can go back and read all four Gospels, and when you read through all four Gospels, you're going to come up with hundreds of mission statements. You're going to come up with mission statement after mission. We need to do this, and we need to do that. And I'm just going to give you three today as, as I read through the Gospels. I'm going to give you uh, three today, and the first one I'm going to call the Great Invitation, okay? So what we find with Jesus in the Gospels when he comes across his disciples, right, what does he do? He gives them an invitation. Come, follow me. He comes to the, the fishermen, he comes to the tax collectors, you know, here's the inter interesting thing about Jesus. Uh, he's got the zealots, you know, and he's got the tax collectors. These two are, couldn't be further from right and left. And he puts them all together and expects them to get along. What does he do? He says, come, follow me. He doesn't say, hey, I'm your Lord and Savior. Through me, you can get eternal life and salvation. And no, he, that comes much, much later. It's this simple, come, follow me. I'll make you fish for people. That's the invitation that he gives. That's what's up front. That's what's happening there. 
All right? So what he's really saying is, come, follow me, and when you do that, you'll draw other people. You'll draw other people towards me also. And that's pretty easy for me to think about. You know, if I get up and say my prayers in the morning, you know, I use that Wesley prayer, I'm not my own but thine, put me to what thou wilt. You know, but really what I'm saying is, Jesus, I'm yours. Would you just help me today to follow you and in doing that draw other people to come along? That's a pretty easy thing to remember, right? We can do that by our actions, by our words. That's part of the mission, to draw people in, to follow Jesus. And that gets them to come along. Okay, so that's the first one, the great invitation. The second one is the great commandment. And we talk about this all the time. Again, I know you know this, but we need to be reminded of this. Jesus gave us that invitation, and then he gave us the great commandments. When the one comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, how do I get to heaven? Jesus says, well, you know, you, uh, you have to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's not too difficult to think about either, right? That's pretty easy for us to remember. So when we get up in the morning and we say to Jesus, oh, just... Would you help me follow you today? And in, and in my actions as I'm following you, help me to draw other people towards you. And oh, by the way, would you help me to love God better today? And, and love my neighbors too? Especially that guy, George, at work, sits in the uh, cubicle next to me and cuts his fingernails all the time. Would you help me love him? <laughs> you see how this works? It changes all of you. It helps you be that person. Oh, and when you get cut off on 476, you know, on the end, in, in, you know, pray for him too and love him, you know? It's not too hard to remember, saying, Jesus, you're my Lord, my master, you rule my life, so help me do these things, would you? Because I can't do it by myself. All right, and John Wesley got this. John Wesley wrote a, a sermon at the very, very near the end of his life. He was 85 years old, so we're going back to the late 1700s here, and, and he wrote a, a uh, sermon, and, and the sermon is, What is Man? That was the title of it. That's a that's a gutsy sermon if you're going to answer it in there. What is man? And he said this in there. The theme of every human being is to know, love, and serve their creator. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good uh, mission statement, isn't it? To know, love, and serve God. That's one right there. I think that was probably John Wesley's uh, mission statement for himself. He probably, in everything he attempted to do, he probably said, is this helping me know, love, or serve God? What should I do? You know, and that's a good mission for us, too. We should definitely be doing that, going out into the world, fishing for people, going out into the world, meeting needs of people, caring for people. We're the hands and feet of, of Jesus while he's not here, so we should be doing that. And, you know, as I'm reminding you of this, here, I want to tell you why I'm, I'm reminding you of this. Because we come here every Sunday, and, you know, I, I'm saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's the ruler of my life. But about Tuesday afternoon, I start thinking, Tom is Lord, you know? <laughs> Tom has got it going on. Know, love, and serve Tom. <laughs> because that's who we are as people. We forget it. So we need to pray this. We need to, we need to kind of bathe ourselves in it. So we need to ask God to help me to answer your invitation again today, Lord. Help me to follow those commandments again today, Lord. And finally, we get the, the third one, which is the, the Great Commission. You know, and as we talk about these things, I think about that tendency for me to, like, center on myself. I call it spiritual dementia. On Sunday morning, I'm, I'm thinking perfectly fine, but by the time I get to Tuesday afternoon, I've, been, I've become the center of the universe again. And I have to keep thinking about that and remind myself of that. Okay, the, the great invitation, the great commandments, and then uh, the great commission, which, of course, we heard, and everybody knows that, we heard in Matthew 28 this morning as it was uh, read. You know, this happens at the very end of Jesus' uh, time here on the planet. He has 
been crucified, died, buried, he's, uh, he's been resurrected, now he's about to ascend to heaven. And these are the words that he leaves his disciples with. So he's about to go up and he turns to them and in Matthew he says these words, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now we also get that story, we also get that ascension story in Luke and we get it again in Acts. Now in Luke and Acts, remember, Luke is responsible for the writing of the Gospel of Luke and writing Acts, so it, it uh, has some uh, familiar flair there. But we hear these words. Uh, Jesus says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you're not just responsible for your local community, you're responsible for the world. So if Jesus was God's answer to the human condition, if he came to be redeemer, restorer, to fix the brokenness and do all those things and to heal and, and to make our planet better, then our task today is to be doing exactly what he was doing while he was here. This commission that he gives us. This is part of what our mission statement is to be. It's what we should be all about. And when Jesus does this, you know, he's constantly out there doing things, but he's interrupted. Somebody always needs to be healed. Somebody always needs to have their brokenness fixed. Somebody always needs attention. He's proclaiming the truth and somebody's tugging on his coat. He's proclaiming the truth and somebody's dropping somebody through the ceiling. And he has to stop. And he does, always. And he pays attention to them. That's our mission. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So we have the invitation, you know, come. I'll tell you, teach you to teach, uh, fish for people. We have the commandments, love God, love your neighbor. And we have this, this um, last one, which is the Great Commission. So that is follow Jesus. Love God and love people. Invite others to do the same. That's not a bad mission statement either, right? Follow, love, invite. That's a pretty good one there too. Yeah, that, that'll work. That has legs. So that the world might be healed. All of those things do that. Okay, now, now the hard work here, you know, as Christians is we have to continually discern this and distill this and, and think about this. We have to have a mission for our lives and for our church. And... <laughs> Going back four and a half years ago, your leadership uh, team here spent eight months on this. It took your leadership team eight months to come up with a mission statement. And they needed a mission statement that they could put at the head of every agenda. They needed a mission statement that would drive the budget. They needed a mission statement that would lead us here in worship and you could read it every day on the back of the bulletin. They needed a mission statement that could be put at the top of the website. And it would be that mission statement, number one, that we could remember. It would be a mission statement that we could use. It would be a mission statement that could be simple but huge. Love and follow through Christ. Five words is what they came up with. It's not bad. Love and serve through Christ. That mission is the one that coincides with Christ's call on our lives as we live it out here. That's how we do our budget. That's how we do our ministry teams. That's how the staff does its work here. And that's how the church is called to live its life. That's how we build Christian community. Because we're a place where people can connect and care and love and serve and worship and minister and do all those things together. Because the Christian community that Christ brought together, that Christian community was just a bunch of lost people who came and somehow they too loved and served through Christ. They learn not only about that, but they learn about salvation and so many other things. And through that, we become deeply committed Christians. And this captures our mission as faithful believers. This is what we do as the body of Christ. Okay.
So we need to be clear about that mission. That's very important. Doesn't matter whether you're a business, a Sunday school class, a choir, a, a ministry team here, because that will change how you look at every day. And then when you get up on your knees, uh, you know, you get on your knees in the morning, you get up and you, and you ask God to once again give you the power to follow Him and, and help, uh, ask for the help in loving Him and loving others, and also ask Him to help you go out and do the things you have to do when you invite people to come and do the same thing. Just help me, God, to love and serve you today. It changes everything. It changes everything. Now, I have a little bit of time, so I'm just going to touch on what we're going to talk about next week, and, and that's the second fundamental principle, and that is um, uh, focusing on people. This is another thing that is so important to vital Christianity. It's being uh, focused, and it doesn't matter whether you're a business or a company. You heard those Fortune 500 mission statements. They were all about changing lives and affecting people. That's what we have to be about, too. And the truth is, if we're going to be about focusing on people, we have to care about people. If we don't care, it's not going to matter. Uh, there, there's a show that my kids, uh, Kim and I used to watch this show with the kids. I'm going back many years now. I know it's still on. Uh, it's called The Prophet, and it's, uh, P, it's not P-R-O-P-H-E-T, it's P-R-O-F-I-T, The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, who is a billionaire, and he goes around and he helps restore um, failing businesses, right? Now, when you watch his show, he always repeats his, his, uh, the keys to success. And the keys to the success, success are three Ps. People, product, process. He says, if we can't go through the people, product, process, he says, I can't help you. And this is most important because he tells people right up front, he says, I'm not investing in a business. I'm, I'm investing in people. And if we can't get through this, we're not going to be successful. People are that important to what he's doing. So if we're going to make disciples, we have to invest in people. We have to care about people. People have to be very important to us. And you know this. You've heard this before, right? People don't care what you know until they know that you care. You can tell people all the, all the stuff you want all the time, you get, but if they don't think you care, they're not going to listen, and it's not going to make a difference in their lives. Very few people, to repeat myself, very few people come to a deep Christian faith through superior theological arguments and doctrine and dogma. It doesn't happen. People come to be faithful believers in Christ because there was someone who cared about them, someone who knew that, who, and loved them and generally cared about who they were. And then they got to a point in their life where they discovered that they were also a faithful believer and they were at a point where they might have just been willing to hear what they had to say about what the church is and what it does, you know? So that's part of loving your neighbor as yourself. I mean, because Jesus gives us the, he gives us the, the plan. We know about the people, so, so then he gives us the plan and the product, right? And that is, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works. So you do that first, right? Let your light so shine. Love people, do things, help people, guide people, so that they may also come and glorify God. There's two steps there. People don't know, care what you know until they know that you care. It's fascinating the way it starts, and Jesus does this over and over and over again in scriptures, and that's truth today, especially among young people. You know, I've had that conversation with my kids many times. Why don't you guys go to church? Ah, you know, you know, really, 125, 120, why don't you go to church? Why don't any of your friends go to church? And when it comes down to it, they're like, well, you know, Jesus is awesome. I, I love Jesus. It's those other people that go to church. That's what I have the problem with. Now, they're not talking about you, all right? 
No, but here's what it is out on the street because there's so many people and the church has come across as so judgmental, so self-righteous, so about them that they, the kids don't know that they care. And they're not going to care what they know until they know that they care. You know, you've heard it before. They're spiritual. They, they like Jesus. It's those people who claim to follow Jesus. Spiritual but not religious. We've talked about that too in the past. So what do we need to be in order to counteract that? We need to be the genuine ones, the ones who are humble and kind and spirit and caring and loving. We don't need to be the know-it-alls and the judgmental ones. All right? And this is just how it works. Why? Because that generation, especially that generation, is repelled by it. And I'll tell you why. The way, these, the way these young, this young generation has grown up, they can smell a phony a mile away. Do not try and fool anything over on the, this new generation because they know. They know an, a phony in an instant, okay? And the only way to change it is to be uh, real Christians, to be positive, to be energetic, to, to speak of a good future, all right? And then we actually demonstrate what Jesus talked about, love and kindness and mercy and justice and righteousness and all those things. You know, this is the way Jesus said it. I'm, I'm just going to repeat what Jesus said. You know, this is how they're going to know. This is how the world will know, all right, that you are my disciples. It's how you love each other. We haven't shown the world that. Okay, and when I think about it, you know, that the case for faith that's out there is it's how we show the world that we love each other, how we invest in other people, you know, how we walk in the middle of the road and, and accept everyone and, and work with everything. You know, we start off with talking to people and connecting with them and what they're interested in and find out who they are and we connect with them at that level first. And we all know people who are doing, do, doing well at that. We do that on purpose here, folks. I'm going to give you an example. This is, this is it. I'm gonna, and then I'm going to close here and we'll pick up next week. Uh, we started doing team ministry four years ago or so. We started to change on how we present ourselves to the community. So about four and a half years ago, we went to the uh, Radnor Fall Fest where they closed down North Wayne Avenue and we go up there and we set up a booth and, we, and we, had, we very intentionally went up there and we set up a booth and we were Wayne Food Pantry. That's what we decided to be. It didn't say anywhere on the tent that we're a church. It didn't say anywhere on the tent uh, you know, that you know, come in here and we'll pray for you or anything. No, it just said Wayne Food Pantry and then we had uh, Bob King was giving out pretzels. That certainly helped, um, free pretzels and some water. <laughs> Uh, but we were giving out little pamphlets, Wayne Food Pantry, here's what we do. You know, every Wednesday and Thursday, we're open to the community to come in and get a free bag of groceries. There's people in our neighborhood who have food scarcity issues, and we need to help them out. They come and get it. So there were people who started to flood that tent. They were just coming and coming. And every once in a while, some people will say, well, there's no address. Where are you guys located? Oh, we're under that big steeple, that big white steeple right there. Oh, you're at the church. Yeah, yeah. We made them say it. <laughs> you're at the church. Yeah, we're at a church, you know. Just come around, come in the back door, it says welcome over the top. And here's what happened from that first time. And we've done it three, three or four times since. We always go, we never say we're at the church, we say the Wade Food Pantry, and we're flooded. Now what happens is when you look around at that, those groups that come up there, you have the, Philadelphia, or the uh, Radnor School District, they have a tent. Guess what? They're one of our biggest partners and suppliers of food to a church. All of the gyms in the area, several businesses and banks in the area, they come and they play a role as a partner in the Wayne Food Pantry. 
They don't care that we're a church. What they care is that we're, we're dealing and caring and loving other people out there, and it makes a difference. So what happens from there? Well, the food pantry gets so big, we have to change its location. We have to make it bigger. We have to get a team behind it to make it happen. Now we've got preschools coming in, and they come in and they do field trips to a church where they bring their moms and dads and teachers, and they pack bags to give out to people who have food scarcity issues. You see what's happening here? We never talked about any kind of theological argument or doctrine or Jesus loves you too. We just showed the love and they come. So what happens then is Philadelphia Inquirer shows up and says, what the heck is happening here? Because there's no hungry people in the main line. And they come in and do an article and then it just goes absolutely haywire. We have all the food we need and there's people coming from all over the place. I think last week over 40 bags of groceries went out. You see what happens when you when you focus on people first and you let them know that you care and you love them and you'll be here even when things get very difficult there'll come a time when they're willing to talk about the difficult things in life like healing and brokenness in here that is why we need to be clear about our mission 